I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. From KUOW, this is Soundside. I'm Diana Pong in for Libby Denkman. As homelessness grows around the region, communities are struggling to keep up with a spreading encampment crisis. In Bremerton, the largest city in Kitsap County, growing encampments have forced the city to reconcile with a lack of available shelter space throughout the county. Last September, city leaders passed an ordinance that makes camping in parks, on streets, or even sidewalks illegal. But they themselves ran into a hurdle, a Ninth Circuit ruling that prevents sweeps without first having somewhere else for people to go. A temporary shelter at the local Salvation Army has filled the void for now, allowing the city to continue sweeping encampments. But the debate on what to do long term continues and demonstrates the difficult line the city and service providers have to walk between temporary, immediate shelters and a long term solution to reduce encampments and lift people out of homelessness. Soundside's Libby Denkman recently caught up with Kai Uehara, who's been covering this issue for the Kitsap Sun. So let's start with this camping ban. This is a Bremerton ordinance that was passed by the city council back in September. Why did they pass the ban? I mean, what reason was given for the ordinance? Why did they feel they needed it? Sure. So there were growing encampments. This is in the form of tents kind of piling up on Martin Luther King Jr. Way, Broadway, 8th Street, and there are some more scattered around as well, but those are kind of the biggest ones. And there's a lot of public outcry. There were a lot of visual symptoms of homelessness around the area and a general sense of neighbors don't really want to see tents around their area. That was brought up to uh, our local politicians quite a lot. Our city council had it on their radar. And what exactly is in the ordinance that was passed in September? It wasn't immediately clear what path the ordinance was going to take to clear some of those uh, encampments as per the Ninth Circuit Court ruling Martin versus Boise. The city council initially had been thinking about designating camping areas instead of just saying that, you know, the camping was going to be illegal once shelter was open. Instead, they had thought about doing a system where undeveloped city parcels would be available for camping, except, you know, streets, public areas like that would not be. That didn't go over very well. So they ruled out this option and they ruled out a second option of doing a time restriction, as in people can't be camping during the night. That would be kind of cruel and unusual. So they opted for this third option. Once the Salvation Army opened up their shelter, there would be 75 beds available for these campers who are in these bigger areas to go into. But then in that situation, the the biggest downside was that they would have to wait several months for that to happen. And in the meantime, camping would be essentially legal. Okay, so let's get back to that ordinance. It is set to trigger as soon as the Salvation Army is able to get this 75-bed shelter space up and running. Again, that's to comply with the legal limitations of Martin v. Boise, which is a standard that was set in 2018, saying that you really can't criminalize 
people sleeping on public property if there's no other option, nowhere else for them to go. That would violate the Constitution's provision for cruel and unusual punishment. So all of that changed in November when the Salvation Army in Bremerton said it would open a temporary shelter. What was the promise there and how did it unfold as the shelter was opening up and the camping ban was coming into effect? Sure. So come November 1st, the Salvation Army opens its doors. The Salvation Army in Bremerton operates as a day center all the time throughout the year, but they only open up for a overnight shelter during the winter months. So on November 1st, they open like they regularly do for the day. But right as the sun rose, the city was clearing this encampment. So the overnight shelter was not exactly open at that exact moment where they started to do the sweeps on November 1st. But that night, it was the idea that 75 beds would be available. Everybody, should they agree from the encampments, could go in and stay in those 75 beds and there would be enough space, probably. But what you started to see when the clearing was happening is that some people would agree and others said, yeah, we'll get off this public street. I don't know where else to go, though. And so to get into the Salvation Army uh, shelter, it is low barrier. So it's very easy for a lot of people. But that depends on if your mental health, you know, if you have any mental issues that could be a little bit too much for the limited staff at the Salvation Army to deal with. And there are also a lot of folks who do not want to sleep in a congregate shelter situation. They don't feel safe. Um, they might have other limitations. Um, you know, they want to bring a pet, things like that, that um, you can't uh, necessarily assume that they're compatible with that congregate shelter situation. Yes, absolutely. And so the idea was that we'll sweep everybody off the street and they can go into the shelter. If anybody were not to comply, they would be guilty of a gross misdemeanor and that would be uh, punishable. However, since November 1st, even that day and every day, nobody has had to be penalized in that sort of way. Do you know how many folks from the encampment actually accepted shelter and how many just moved to another part of Bremerton or the surrounding area? Right. So that's something we don't actually know by the numbers. We do know that some people did go into that shelter the very first night um, and kind of continuing onwards. There was about 40 people staying in the 75 beds. But the service providers will tell you that they had a list of about 40 people post November 1st that they no longer knew where they were. And so there's about 40 of them and they still haven't been found. And this Salvation Army shelter, it was only going to be a winter shelter and, and a temporary space, right? It's 75 beds, but it's going away. I mean, what's the timeline on this shelter and what is the city going to do next? Sure. So until a couple weeks ago, the Salvation Army was going to close on May 1st. So we've got a ticking clock there. And the city administration under leadership of uh, the Bremerton mayor, Greg Wheeler, was looking to create some sort of shelter that would succeed the Salvation Army. And they wanted to do that so that there would not be any amount of time where Bremerton was left without a shelter again. Because if it was left without a shelter, camping on the streets would be made essentially legal and we would see the return of the encampments. 
So what the city administration does is they say, all right, we're going to look for three options. The first option is for the possibility of a regulated outdoor camping center, which basically just looks like a fenced-in area, and it's got some facilities like bathrooms and water and maybe a little bit of security. The second one would be a pallet shelter, which is the equivalent of tiny homes. And then the third would be another low-barrier congregate shelter. And in the coming months, Greg Wheeler's administration will decide that the third option being a congregate shelter is the best way to go. There is a space next to our um, public works facility building. It's kind of a, a little bit of a forested area, and it's on top of this slope. And it looks over this neighborhood called the Bay Vista neighborhood. And they say, this is probably our best shot. You know, it complies with, I think it was about nine different points of criteria being, you know, proximity to services, transit. It's in, you know, kind of a safe area. And one of those things that the Bay Vista neighborhood really had a problem with is that one of the points of criteria was not that the neighboring area be okay with it. They weren't consulted at all. And so they have a pretty big uproar about this and voice it to the city council and to the mayor. But the mayor's idea, yes, is to flatten, level this area and build a sprung structure, which is not exactly, you know, a brick by brick building. It's a kind of a a large tent. It's like a reinforced tent. You see them in military facilities sometimes of, you know, temporary firehouse, uh, things like that. Yes, exactly. And they see the fastest that they can get something up should the city council agree with it they could get the sprung shelter up in November 2024. So that would leave several months between May and November where we wouldn't have a shelter. And so Wheeler kind of scrambles to find some options and works it out with the Salvation Army that they would extend their overnight shelter capabilities until November. So what we'll be watching is the city council has chosen to step away from Mayor Greg Wheeler's option to do a 75 or more bed congregate shelter. They've decided that we need to do a little bit more than this. If we're really going to fight homelessness in Bremerton, we're going to need to give people a way out of a congregate facility. They need to actually be able to live on their own, to be able to stand on their own two feet, to be able to get jobs, to build up that confidence to then maybe move on to subsidized housing and from subsidized housing to market rate and from market rate, you know, the lofty, lofty goal is home ownership. But they can't do that if there's no transitional housing. So what they have decided to do is, okay, we're going to step away and maybe we have less details on our course of action. Maybe we no longer have a specific site that is confirmed that we can put this hybrid shelter option on, but we're going to do it anyway. So we're watching to see how the city council moves forward. We're watching to see how the city administration couples, you know, marries their process with that of the social service providers who brought the hybrid shelter together in the first place. We'll see where they pick to bring this hybrid shelter. Right now they're thinking the swing set mall that has a parking area and 
an indoor facility. They already have part of their building that is, from what I understand, to be kind of empty that could be converted into a low barrier congregate shelter. So really the question is, the transitional shelter that the city council has favored is going to be a lot bigger lift and there's going to have to be this search for a location. There's going to be a lot more going into siting and, you know, converting whatever space they end up with. And can they actually get that accomplished by November when the Salvation Army shelter is slated to end? I mean, any expectation about how that's going to go? Not really. So one one thing that we can look towards is we recently uh, published an article about this uh, young adult housing complex that effectively the same uh, collection of social service agencies has put together. And they put together this idea, found their funding, decided what services were going to be on site in that housing complex. And they're about to close on that de- on that deal all in under a year. So it can be done, but can can the city of Bremerton accomplish it? That's a big question. Yes. And it will remain to be seen who leads this process towards the uh, hybrid shelter model, if it's going to be the city or if it's going to be the service agencies who already did it. So what we're looking at right now, the mayor has actually worked it out with the Salvation Army to stay open until spring of 2025. So we found out that that ticking clock wasn't so imminent, that something could have been done about it. So we have an extended timeline. Kai, what did covering this make you think about when it comes to the decision in front of city leaders in order to approach homelessness in a way that complies with, you know, legal precedent with these big court orders, which, by the way, are being challenged. I mean, the Martin v. Boise is being challenged up, up to the Supreme Court with support from the state of California and dozens of cities uh, on the West Coast. Did you have any big impressions about the difficult choices in front of city leaders and also the plight of folks who are in these situations living on the street and and kind of getting shifted around without a path to something more permanent. Sure. So something that I thought about as we were doing these stories is it seemed like there was a choice set before our city leaders that they could either do kind of the bare minimum and provide a congregate shelter, or they could do something a little bit more that would proactively combat our city's homeless crisis by providing something more transitional that could help people get the next leg up. So that brings us to, you know, the city council hearing about this second proposal from local social service agencies who had kind of made this collective and decided that they wanted to slip in another suggestion, which was to have a hybrid option in the form of a smaller congregate shelter to be that catch-all for those people who need a place to stay very quickly um, so that they're not camping on the street. But that would be coupled with a pallet community, a tiny home community. And so our city leaders are are, are sitting thinking about creating a, a very, very large net so that under no circumstances will we ever see large unregulated encampments on public streets or using that money, using that time and this particular opportunity to do something about it 
to also split actions to catch people at the very bottom and catch people who might want to take the next step up towards independent living. And that might be a little bit of a risk, but they end up going with the second option. Still, you know, a little over a year to get all of this up and running. I've seen shelters take a whole lot longer than that uh, when it comes to municipalities working their way through all the funding and and siting issues. So um, it's still a, a tight turnaround for the city of Bremerton. And I know we'll be following your reporting on this. Kai Uehara covers the city of Bremerton for the Kitsap Sun. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Soundside. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR.